I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. Yeah, I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. This is The Athletic Hockey Show. We are back for a Thursday edition of The Athletic Hockey Show in the middle of the summer. It's Ian Mendes, Sean McAdoo. And you know, when we get to the middle of the summer, Sean, what we like to do is because the news cycle has grinded to a halt. We should open this up and turn it into a mailbag, right? Just just really, and really it's just a mailbag that's going to solicit ideas for you to write future columns, too. That's, that, that's really That's the main thing do. I'm looking for yeah. out of this. Yeah. You know, can I ask you something about a column you wrote earlier this summer, by the way? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, you wrote the, the best player to play one game for every team in the NHL. That's right. You know, like who like you know, Brooks Like was the guy for Ottawa mm-hmm. because he played one game. Okay. Was that specifically designed because of Pakdoku? Did is that why this all happened? You're no, like, people, I'm gonna get the lowest Pakdoku score. No, people have people have asked me that. It wasn't actually it, there was no connection at all. This had been one that had been kind of sitting in the uh in the chamber for a while. Uh but I mean I, I feel like my entire career has been to prepare people for Puck Doku. Like this is this. If you've been reading me like for years now, I am assuming that you're just racking up nine for nines. Uh, the the sub one percent scores. Uh, I think those have been dubbed the uh, sicko scores when you get a sub one percent on yep. a uh, on a player. Um, yeah, you you should be absolutely between the obscure players and the off-brand players and and all of that. You, you should off, be absolutely crushing it. I love stuff, off so. off-brand players. Yeah. Oh my! I had God. a guy in the comments mad at me because I made a joke about I don't remember what team it was, but some team had a guy named Travis Scott, and uh, I and I don't even think he was. I think he may have only played the one NHL game. Period. Yeah. And I made like a throwaway joke saying, I, I guess he retired to go pursue a music career. And somebody in the comments was mad because they said, I went and looked up the music career and it's a different guy. And it was like, eh, man, you nailed wow. it. You're right. You it's, got me. Yeah, you're right, man. That 1980s hockey player was not the guy who's like, you know, the 20 something year old uh, chart topper right now. Um, nailed, nailed me. I'm just, I'm busted. So, I mean, Good. really, what credibility do I have left? As a yeah, journalist, egg. 
I've got egg on my face uh, from Boy. Travis Scott. Uh, it's a, you know my my favorite Pakdoku thing that I've done this year is you had to you had to find somebody who played for the Avalanche and Carolina, mm-hmm. and I went John Garrett. Wow, that's impressive. You from went Quebec. You in went Hartford. Nordiques Whalers. I, yeah, and it was a sub one wow. percenter. That would that would absolutely that would absolutely be because that's that is because initially. And I, I, I can take a little credit for it. People think I made Pugdoku. I, I didn't. This is much like Gordel. This is something that started on my other show, Puck Soup. Uh, it didn't really start. I mean, both of the games are, are largely based on or, or entirely based on, on popular games that started elsewhere. But we played it on Puck Soup as a hockey version. And then somebody who listened to the show said, you know what? I can actually program that. Um, and I can yeah. turn that into a reality. But the one thing I will take credit for is early on, they didn't. They didn't do across franchises. It was player. It was uh, team only. So like you know, you that the Nordiques and Whalers wouldn't have counted. And and I put in a complaint because I think I had Steve Duchesne cost me a nine for nine uh, as a uh, avalanche uh, as an avalanche. And uh, so I went. I went right to the top. I asked to speak to the manager, and uh, now now you've got it uh, sorted out. So okay. So you're I, welcome. I think this is what hockey world. The manager should do is they should let you design one Pakdoku this summer, Ooh. just one. Like, mm-hmm. like you know what I mean? Like, like uh, I feel like yours would be diabolical. Yeah. See, but see, here's the thing. Like, there are you don't want to make it like too too tough. You want to have. Fertile ground for people to get their, their yes. sicko scores. Like the one there, there was one earlier this summer where obviously very intentionally they went all original six. Okay. Yes. Now that that's the one where you're, I mean, the spotlight just shines on me and I'm like, all right, I gotta, I gotta get the lowest possible score here. Um, and I think I had, I wound up with a three. If people don't play the game and, and by the way, it's just Pukdoku, it's it's immaculate grid for uh, for hockey. If people have no idea what we're talking about right now, um, I, le- and, I love how you mentioned immaculate grid. Like yeah. that's been around like for that's years, it. right? Like, okay, that's been know. around since May. Everybody gets it now. Yeah. Um, it's uh, so so you want to get as low a score as possible. But see, sometimes because I, I play the baseball one, immaculate grid. There's also a football one. Um, have you been doing the NFL one? No, it's not as good. Honestly, it gets a little too cute. And sometimes it has like little stat combos where there's only one answer. And that's oh, yeah. not, See, that's not that's fun. fun. It's not a trivia question. It's it's I should be able to think of an obscure player that no one else could think of. That's you know, that's where the fun comes in for me. I don't I don't like the football one as much. Um, although it, you know, it, it in a pinch it uh, it does the job. But um yeah, I don't know. I don't even know how you would make one that would be diabolical because I don't like I don't want I don't want to make it hard. It's 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 supposed to be one of these little fun games that you you get your low score. You feel good about yourself. You tweet out your low score and then someone else comes along and they're like, that's not a low score. You suck. And then you spend all day fighting with somebody on Twitter. Right. Yeah, <laughs> that 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 sounds about right. All right. So yeah. let's let, tell you what. Let's open up, though. Let's open up the uh, the mailbag. Actually, tell you what. Let's open up the voicemail. How about that? We're going to kick it off with a voicemail. This one's from Anna. In Philadelphia. In November of 2016, my new hairstylist invited me to my first Flyers game. 
She was a lifelong fan because of her dad, and I was always one of those, ooh, sports ball people. And I had probably never thought about hockey more than twice in my life, but I figured it could be fun. Well, it turned out to be more engrossing than I could have imagined, and I immediately became a rabid Flyers and NHL fan. My hairstylist is my best friend now, and I will never forget my first hockey game. The Flyers beat the Flames 5-3 to to kick off the infamous 10-game win streak in a season where they missed the playoffs. I could not have chosen a more exciting time to become a Flyers fan. Little did I know what a mediocre disappointment they would be for the next six years. No going back now, though. Thanks for all you do. All right. Uh, that's Anna in Philly. By the way, if you ever want to leave a voicemail like Anna just did, it's 845 445 8459. So Anna recounts the time that uh, she attended her first ever NHL game, Sean, just a few years ago, 2016, mm-hmm. 2017. So I looked up the game. Okay. okay. This was this was Anna's first game that she ever went to. And like she references, it kickstarts a 10-game winning streak for the Flyers. And the first goal that she ever saw was a shorthanded goal from TJ Brody for Calgary. So okay. I, Good start. But, so it got me so it got me thinking. Um What's the first game you ever went to, or that you do you do you know the first no. NHL game you went to? I don't. I've I've thought about this, uh, and I I don't remember. Now, I remember some things about it. I remember being at Maple Leaf Gardens. I remember we were sitting kind of high up in the in the stands, and I remember having the experience that I think a lot of little kids have, which is I was blown away by the fact that I couldn't hear the announcers. It just had not oh, occurred like the, like to the me. the game, there was no play-by-play. Yeah, there's no play-by-play. I'd watched gotcha. so much hockey, and you know, and, and then you get there, and it's like, it's it's silent in terms of, of the voices. Yeah. Um, but no, I don't remember the, the actual game, so I can't go back and say, like, this is the first goal, this is the first whatever that I saw. Really? Okay. Because I figured with your, your, your great memory, you would remember, oh, I saw Toronto. Like, could we even try and narrow it down? Could we find the game? Or no, you don't think uh, that's no, possible? No, I, I don't, you don't, I don't think so because I don't, I, I don't remember who they who they played. I don't remember. Like I would have been – I mean this is probably like 83, 84 um, BW before Wendell as, uh, as, as we'd remember <laughs> BW. it. BW. Um, but yeah, no, I, I don't think I could find it. And that one in, – and, and also my favorite uh, – my first baseball game, which was my first pro sporting event going to a Blue Jay game. I remember that one going – it was my friend took me, and I remember sitting like, remember in the exhibition stadium when you sat out in the outfield, you were sitting yeah. in the on the metal benches that faced the wrong direction. Yes, you you, uh, you had to literally turn. Yeah, like because it was a, a football stadium, and yeah. so you were looking like into the right field stands, except there weren't even stands out there. But again, don't I don't remember who uh, who played. Although that was again like I'm. I, I'm you, you can piece together how bright a kid I was, okay? I was blown away by the fact that uh, there was no announcers at the hockey game. And I the first baseball game I went to was the moment that I realized that the guys in the field and the guys who were hitting were the same guys. I just thought the Blue Jays had like nine <laughs> defenders and nine batters. And then I realized like Lloyd Mosby was doing both. And I'm like, that's amazing. This guy's... This guy's so jack versatile. of all trades. Yeah. 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 Jeez. I was a very okay. dumb child is what oh, I'm trying man. to tell you. Oh. So I found the box score the first game I ever attended. Wow. Okay. Okay. And I remember, I still have the program at home. 
February 8th, 1986, Joe Louis Arena in Detroit. It's the Montreal Canadiens who would go on to win the Stanley Cup uh, against the Detroit Red Wings, who were, I think that was the, the worst year of, of all time for the Red okay. Wings. They, they were yeah. terrible, terrible. Uh, they ended up getting Joe Murphy in the first, uh, first overall pick uh, in, in the draft. They were dead last. But I remember going to the game, and I didn't know. Like, Montreal had this goalie with a white helmet, Patrick Waugh, and I really thought his last name was Roy. Yep. Like I didn't sure. like again, I was eight, I think I was eight years old or whatever. And so I but I found the box score and there's goals. There's some classic 80s names in the score sheet here. I love it. In, okay. John O'Grodnick. Uh-huh. Gaston yep. Gingra. Love it. Uh Mario Tremblay. Uh Harold Sneps with a, pe- a couple of penalties. Anyway, okay. So yep. I remember like Very good. I I'd love to hear from listeners too, like uh the, 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 do you actually know the first? Because I'd be curious. Like if, if like I think I'm a rarity. I guess maybe that knowing exactly the game that I went to for the first time. Like Anna, obviously, I think knows it depends she, on circumstances, yeah. right? Like how young were you, and uh, you know, in it, now you were living in Detroit at the time, right? Yeah, we were but, Ann Arbor. Yeah, so because I mean, I, I also think like obviously, if you were if it was a special occasion or if you traveled to to go to the game or something, I, I guess a lot of people would remember. But yeah, and I especially if. If your first game involved like something weird or historic, you know, if you could like, wouldn't that be neat if you could look back and be like, yeah, you know, my first game turned out to also be the first game of this guy who went on and played a thousand games or this guy who became a star, uh, you know, that, that, that could be uh, cool as well. I, uh, yeah. Make me feel bad about my, my terrible memory. You're, you're terrible. Yeah. Your, your childhood. I do remember uh, my first playoff games i remember for for both baseball and hockey and my hockey one was the sergio Mameso sergio Mameso game oh it was yeah that's right it probably was so the fact that i you know whether i actually even came back after that 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 should have been my sign but because you know what people forget about that game is the leafs were down two nothing in the series they were down five three with like a couple of minutes left and had a furious comeback to send the game to overtime so the gardens was rocking i mean it was absolutely fan then the the all time silencer by Sergio Mameso, who I've still never fully forgiven. Although he's a really good puck doku answer, so he's he's you know he's repairing his reputation with me. Yeah, uh, you know I just remembered the first ever baseball game I went to in Seattle at the Old Kingdom. Like I, I grew up going to a lot of baseball games, Tiger Stadium, Exhibition Stadium, Sky Dome. I happened to go to the, my first game I ever went to at the Kingdom in Seattle. Ended up being the night that Ken Griffey Jr. and Ken Griffey Sr. Uh, played together for the first time. First oh, time that wow. a father and son were in okay. uh, a, a lineup together. And That's very but, cool. But yeah. I think it just kind of happened. Like, I think it was against Kansas City, I want to say. Because I was super excited to see Bo Jackson. Yes. That was the attraction for me. Was yeah. seeing Bo Jackson. Like, it, it, you know, this was like 1990. Like it, this was peak. Remember? Do you remember the Bo Nose commercial where like Wayne Gretzky makes a cameo? Yes. <laughs> yeah. You know, you know the story behind that eh? is that uh, they they they're filming this commercial, and it was it was the famous uh, again the, for for all you youngins out there. Uh, Bo Jackson, the greatest athlete in the world for a short time before he got hurt, played baseball and football 
and, and by which I mean Major League Baseball and NFL dominated both. Nike has this ad campaign, uh, Bo Knows, Bo Knows Football, Bo Knows Baseball. Yeah. They come up with this great idea. Let's let's have a, an ad where Bo is playing all these other sports and all the athletes are saying, you know, Bo Knows Tennis, Bo Knows, you know, everything. We'll go on down the line. And uh, they have him come out uh, to to L.A. They film him playing hockey uh, in his sock feet, they, you notice when they show him skating, it's like from the shins up. So, that, yeah. uh, you know, he's not actually skating. Although, at that point, if you had told us that Bo Jackson could skate, we would have been like, yep, absolutely. Yep. The guy yeah, can do everything. Checks. That checks out. And the, the story is, Wayne Gretzky's line is, Bo knows hockey. And Wayne Gretzky can't spit out this three-word line sufficiently for the directors of this night. Like he's, he's skating, like he skates up and, and he goes like, Bo knows hockey. And they're like, no, Wayne, not like, and he's like, Bo knows hockey. And they're like, Wayne, come on. Like, like just focus. And finally out of frustration, they say, you know what? Just skate up to the camera, stop, spray the ice and just go, no. And, and that's what he does. And it's very, very funny, right? Because the whole commercial is like all these things Bo can do. And then Wayne Gretzky's like the guy who comes and he's like, no, he's not, we're not doing hockey. And it's and it's a very funny moment, but apparently it's it only happened because Wayne Gretzky, Mr. Charisma, uh, could not spit out a three-word line of dialogue to the satisfaction of a director. That's shocking because that would have come after his uh, memorable appearance on Saturday Night Live. Well, I don't know that it is all that shocking if yeah, you remember exactly. that. Uh, yeah, put that into uh, into context. Let's, uh, let's read some emails here, too. Like I said, mailbag, middle of the summer. Let's have some fun. Uh, Preston uh, writes into the athletic hockey show at gmail.com. And, you know, this summer we've been talking about, and even, even now, just saying, thinking about our favorite memories as uh, childhood sports fans or Anna going to her first Flyers game. Preston says, <clears throat> uh, if you guys are asking the question, what's the happiest moment as a fan of a team? I don't know if it's my favorite memory, but here's my most memorable one. Preamble's a little bit long, but bear with me here. It's April 30th, 2016. I'm staying at my girlfriend's house in San Francisco. We realized after getting home that night, I left my phone in the Uber. So the next morning, we had to drive out to Oakland to pick it up from the driver. We're getting ready to head back to San Jose for a joint birthday party for my sister and I at our parents' house when I receive a DM from the San Jose Sharks official account that I won tickets to that evening's playoff game. We showed up to the party, just picked up our jerseys, went to the game. The Sharks ended up being Nashville, beating Nashville. P.S. Social media pre-2017 was wild. I was able to win multiple tickets to Sharks games through Twitter or Instagram. Most notably, I won tickets to the outdoor game, Kings v. Sharks in Santa Clara. Comes in from okay. Princeton. Very good. How was that that game? How was it? You were at the, uh, the outdoor game. That was a right. good one. Yep. Um, so imagine if you let, like, luckily he picked up, uh, Preston picked up the phone. Yeah. And got, can you that imagine? Uber driver missed out on. Yeah. But can and you he imagine was so how, mad that he vowed revenge against NHL. Yeah. And someday I will. No. Yeah. Someday that as an Uber happen. driver, I'll find a way to get back at the NHL community. That's right. Yeah. yeah. But, but it's, uh, it's crazy to think, like, imagine how bad would you feel if you left your phone somewhere, lost it for a day, couldn't find it for a day, went back to your phone the next day and you you, you missed out on tickets to a, uh, you know, it's the Sharks are DMing you. Yeah. yeah. 
And yeah, I mean, it, he doesn't say what the game was or anything, but it's it, it's a Sharks playoff game. So I'm Sharks assuming... and Predators, he said. Sharks and Predators. Sharks so, and Predators. I have no recollection of the Sharks Predators. 2016. Well, that's that's the year that the Sharks went to the finals. So they clearly yeah. won the series. But yeah, that's uh, that that's that he he picked the right year, I guess, because that's that's the deepest of the Sharks' runs. That was the year they lost to the Penguins. Yeah. But was that the conference final, San Jose, Nashville? I've like literally no. Yeah, no I, uh, it, it, I'm assuming not because he says he it, doesn't he say that it's April in the. Uh, oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, there you go. But, April 16th. Uh, so that's see, first round. It? Yeah. I'm calling it up right now. All right, here we go. go. Previous season, it was the second round, and they won that that series in seven games and. Uh, I'm look if it, if he was at if it was the next day if he's got his dates right it was game two, Sharks beat the Predators three to two, um to take a two nothing series lead. Uh, okay, Joe Pavelski with a goal with uh, two and a half minutes left in the third period breaks the tie. So you're telling me San Jose Nashville went to a seventh game in 2016? Yep. I have zero recollection of a set. Like what happened in Game Seven? Uh, game seven was the Sharks five nothing win, so oh, that okay. that maybe, maybe is, that's is part of the reason. The Predators won game six in overtime to force the seventh game. Victor Arvidsson, two minutes into overtime, with an assist from Pekka Rinne. Wow, there can't be that many goalie assists in overtime in the playoffs. Oh, there we go. Sounds there's like a, an ex- there's a column, new, new column, right there. Write it yep, down. There it is. Yeah, <laughs> um, and then yeah, sharks, uh, sharks five, predators nothing. A bit of a bust of a game seven. Although those are, those are always a lot of fun to to attend or to watch, uh, but maybe not as much if you're a uh, neutral fan. Pecorine got shelled. Carter Hutton came in. Martin Jones with the shutout, Mister Clutch. When you talk about great goalies seven. of the era, Martin Jones yeah. with the shutout. But- uh, Sarah writes in via email. I have cried over sporting results two times in my life. Most recently, when Vegas won the Stanley Cup in Game 7, uh, but it was such a blowout. It doesn't hold a candle to Chicago winning the World Series in 2016. Hard to top a rain-delayed 10-inning game for the first championship in more than 100 years. Keep up the summer weirdness. That's from Sarah. Um, okay, let me ask you this question. And I'm being serious. I know you're going to think I'm mm-hmm. being facetious, but I'm being yeah. serious. Mm-hmm. If the Toronto Maple Leafs were to win a Stanley Cup at some point in your lifetime, yeah, would it bring like? Do you think you would cry out of a, like out of happiness or like for, all for the, the loss of my career? Yeah, I would. Uh, for, <laughs> for the loss of eighty percent of my source material, yeah, I would. Uh, I would probably shed it. I I don't think I would. I uh, uh, and also by the way, I I can't be the only one who was thrown off by. Here's the times I've cried about sports and then got hit with positive stuff. Like I was just like, wait, wait a second. What, what is this? What is this yeah. crying in happiness thing yeah. that people are out here doing for, for sports? I don't, yeah. you know what? I, I don't think just that wouldn't be, I don't think that would get me, but you know, if, if I saw something else, if I was with family, if it was something like, you know, maybe, maybe get a little misty, but uh, no, I, I, I cried over sports a lot as a little kid. Because that was that was my thing, but it was uh, it was rarely rarely for good things. So uh, yeah, I don't like. Uh, <laughs> like and plus, as Sean. a kid, you have no context. You're like, oh, you know, the Blue Jays lost, and your dad's like, it's the middle of May, man. Like, uh, you're you're okay. Like, check it out. Yeah, check it out. 
you, you were probably crying at Exhibition Stadium because you couldn't see the field. You're like, yeah, I'm, I'm crying. Like, where's the football game? I'm looking at the, the end zone and nobody's getting here. Yeah, well, it's My cool. neck hurts. Can we go home? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But I also think that now you've become so, and I don't mean cynical or jaded in a bad way, but I think like, I don't think like now. <laughs> Wait, do you mean that then? Yeah. What do you mean? No, no. Yeah. But like, let's say the Maple Leafs got to a Stanley Cup and they got to a seventh game and they somehow lost in heartbreaking fashion. I don't like, would you cry at no. this point or no? Like you feel like, again, those emotions have like, like the Leafs, yeah. you can't hurt me anymore type of thing. Yeah, well, I, I, I'm not saying that out loud. <laughs> don't, you're not tricking me into throwing that yeah. challenge you out to the can't hurt me. gods. Absolutely not. Do your worst, Toronto Maple Leafs. <laughs> yeah. Smash cut to uh, some horrible news story. Uh, um yeah, I, I feel like that that is like there's a there's a line somewhere in your life you cross, right? Where you go from like crying sad over sports and then you hopefully outgrow that, I guess. Uh, and and maybe, you know, because because I don't think like as a little kid. Like if your team won a championship, you wouldn't cry out of happiness. You run around, you jump, mm-hmm. you, do, you know, uh, yep. you do cartwheels and stuff. So. Yeah, I wonder. There's like that. That there's like some line somewhere you pass in life, and you don't know when you pass it. It's the Wendell Clark line. Yeah, not wistful. Yeah, not to be confused with the Wendell line, which is uh, yeah. We we got to go back and uh, I gotta I gotta update that on who's passed the Wendell line. Uh, so I'm gonna I'm gonna check that as we yeah. Twenty eight years old. Twenty eight was yeah. it? Twenty six? I feel like it was. It was some insanely. Uh, <laughs> it's all right. weird. <laughs> All right, you 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 go on to the next one. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna get us a Wendell line update. Okay, you by the, you by the way, speaking of things that I look up too slowly to talk about at the actual moment, do you remember who was pitching uh, at that uh, uh, Griffey game that you went to? Do I remember who was pitching? No, who was pitching? But I want to say it was like Mar- I want to say Mark Gubaza. No, it, well, first of all, the the uh, you saw a battle of uh, was I right? Was it the Royals? It, it was the Royals. Yeah, yep, okay. It and, absolutely was. And like so, August, okay, and this is going to sound crazy. This is off the top of my head. Was it August 31st, 1990? Oh, let me... Uh, it like, was, the, yes. Yeah. August 31st, 1990. So you saw... Here's a real 80s, 90s name for you. The Royals pitcher you saw was uh, Storm Davis. Storm Davis. Storm oh. Davis was the one pitching to the Griffies. But the pitcher you saw for the Mariners was a young Randy Johnson. A I saw Randy Johnson. A, I, a tall, I used to go freaky, can't, doesn't right. have control. Uh, he was good that year. He, this was the first year he started to put it together. But um, you were probably sitting there like, oh, damn, we got to see Randy Johnson. It's going to be a long night. But no, he was, uh, and he, well, he only struck out four that night. And, and, and Bo Jackson played, right? Bo Jackson played. Bo yeah. Jackson went one for three, scored a run, had a walk. Had a yeah. stolen base, it looks like. There you go. It's like everything was happening in that game. And you the saw Griffies, the whole you saw a home right? run by Bill Pakoda. I just this is this is summer. Yeah. Did you listen to the summer episode of the Athletic Hockey Show? Yeah, they were just reading baseball box scores from 1990. From the August show. of 1990. Was yeah. the best show they ever did. It was yeah, fantastic. It was, yeah, it was unbelievable. Uh anyway, you're looking up the Wendell Clark line, which to explain yes. to the listeners who may not know, Wendell Clark got into a fight with Marty McSorley in the 1993 uh, conference finals. It's That's one right. of the most spirited, heated, memorable fights in kind of last 30 some odd years in, in hockey. 
Mm-hmm. And during the fight, Wendell, his helmet comes off and like, you're like, he looks old. But then when you realize- He's got so, a bald spot. He's got he's the got beard. Bald, bald his, he, he can barely play because his back is so messed up. But how old is he in the he's, fight? I, I'm, I'm calculating now. I believe he was 26 years old uh at the time of that fight so is he like like is that mcdavid's age now like how old is mcdavid yeah well that's that's what we're gonna that's what we're gonna uh that's what we're gonna look up but i'm trying to get i'm making sure i got the exact date so it was may 17th 1993 and so yeah uh wendell clark was 26 years six months and 22 days old back then when we thought he was the ultimate grizzled veteran connor mcdavid Right now is uh, he is uh, he's he's twenty he's twenty six and a bit. Connor McDavid is before he plays his next game will cross the window yeah. line. Yes, and so think about that for a second. Than, it's like when it's the old uh, you know you're older than uh, what's his name in Cocoon. Uh, yeah, it's it's the Wilford. This was based on the uh, Wilford, Wilford Brimley, Brimley line. Yeah, the, of course. the Cocoon, the movie about old guys and it turns yeah. out Wilford Brimley was only like 50 which today these days you look at celebrities when they turn 50 and they still yeah. I mean they they look like 25 year olds so there's exactly. a twitter account that updates you and says you know this this guy has now passed the Wilford Brimley line and you're you're just <laughs> if at least for me you're blown away every time because you're like that guy can't possibly be this old No. But this one is just more making Wendell Clark feel old over and over and over again. Okay, we got another listener question here. This one from Will. So, hey guys, I think this is a fun way to tackle current needs for hockey teams as well as looking back at hockey history. So here's my question for you guys. If you could add an alum of any team to their current roster, who would you add? Meaning you could go back in time... Maybe you could drop Bobby Orr into Boston's lineup. I think you could have some fun arguments about what is the biggest need for teams now. The least, for example, I would argue they could use Red Kelly. Uh, they need a true shutdown center. Maybe they need a Norris winning defenseman, whatever. What would you do? Not sure what the tanking teams would do. Um, but tell me what you think. Um, so, okay. So we were just talking about Wendell Clark. Let me ask you this. And I mean this, again... I, I feel like every time I talk about the Leafs, I'm like, I have to put the caveat. I'm not being facetious. I'm not making fun of you. I'm not making fun. But if you could take peak Wendell, so like 93 playoff run, whatever, whatever little window of time you want to say that was peak Wendell. Is that the guy you would insert in the Toronto's lineup right now? Or would you go like Curtis Joseph, Ed Belfour? Like like you could take one guy and put a Salming maybe. I don't know. You got some options. What do you think? What are you doing? I, I think it, it it can't be Wendell because just it it that that style of hockey doesn't exist anymore. It, I have never enjoyed watching a player in any sport play more than I enjoyed watching Wendell Clark in uh, certainly in that '93 run, but even in like the mid '80s, just an absolute wrecking ball, fighting everyone, big open ice hits. That that that, that isn't the NHL anymore. You would drop him in, it would be like, it, it, you know, it'd be like taking you know, a wild animal out of the jungle and dropping him into the zoo and expecting him to, uh, to, to fit in. It just, it wouldn't work. Yeah. Uh, I got to say, I, 
you know, Salming would be a good pick as a defenseman. Uh, any of the, the the great goalies, even if you know, especially if you went back uh, even to the the original six days. Red Kelly's a great pick. That's a really good. If, if people don't know, Red Kelly was is a Hall of Fame player, but he played both defense and forward in his career, and so that's that gives you that versatile guy. That's a really good one. I I like that a lot. Um, I, beyond that, I'm trying to think if there's there's some because I mean some teams you just go yeah I mean it's Pittsburgh you bring back Mario. Who, I, oh, they don't need a center. It doesn't matter. You, you're going to bring back, of course, you're going to bring back Mario. And I think all of us have had that that thought or that conversation of like, what would Mario do in today's NHL? Like if, if you go back and watch oh, the highlights right. of him skating with guys literally hanging off his back, like literally just draped around him, water skiing behind him, and he's just fighting through it. Today with the, the rules called so differently, uh, I mean, he'd, he'd be unstoppable. Um, but yeah, I'm trying to think of like real greats that you would drop in. Um, boy, I mean, you put that, like, Bobby Orr in, in Boston, obviously it, he'd, he'd be unstoppable as far as, I mean, the, he, he created the modern, uh, the modern game. I think you probably have to, a lot of teams you'd have to start with the goalie, right? I mean, you look at Colorado and you go, yeah. give him Patrick Waugh and that solves a whole lot of their problems with no, uh, uh, having having a superstar back there. Okay, New can you Jersey. imagine Buffalo Jeez. right now, the up and coming Sabers, yes. and you just plant Dominic Hasek back there? Boy, yeah, from his prime, be, like put. I mean, we we'd be back to the it'd, it'd be back to Broder against Hasek in the uh, probably yeah. in the conference finals uh, because man, they would uh, yeah they would be fantastic. It, I'll tell you um, if you if you're Ottawa if you're Ottawa, mm, mm-hmm. do you take Hasek? The version you, because that you, you got. had him for one year and then things got wonky. You had him for one year, but he was quite good that year. He was unreal until obviously he, get, but, he goes to the Olympics and gets hurt. But if you yeah. if you only get him for like kind of like you're not getting Hashik from the, the the Sabres, you're getting him at the when he was mm-hmm. with your team. Yeah, uh, but you but you know, know he's going to be healthy. Let's let's say for sake of argument, I mean, you know, obviously you're not going to take him if you know that in January he's going to. Blow it. What was it? The abductor wasn't the abductor, we learned yeah. about a new the body abductor. part. And, um, but yeah, because that that kind of is the need. Um, I mean, geez, think about Detroit. I mean, it's Stevie Eiserman's tapping himself on the shoulder, right? Come down and uh, yep. you know, come be the be the guy. Obviously, you could go, you could go Gordy Howe. You could go Lidstrom, but I mean, the Red Wings need the offensive firepower. I think uh, I think you're probably going Stevie. And, uh, yeah, you're right. And then it would be very funny to, well, I guess, uh, you know, Chicago's not really tanking anymore, but it would be quite funny to see a tanking team just like pick, like, take, like a bad, we take, 80s Stu, we take Stu Grimson. He's our guy. Yeah. Like, well, yeah. Sure. Yeah. You don't want Stan Makita. No, no, we're, we're good with the Reaper. We'll bring him in. Yeah. Or take one of those stand up eighties goalies. Like we're taking Murray Bannerman. Murray Bannerman. <laughs> just, there you go. Guys that just got beat along the ice. Yeah. Yeah, we're taking Darren Pang. He's gonna Whoa, be. Uh, we're, gonna, we're gonna throw yeah. a little. We're gonna throw five foot four Panger into the net and let him let him fend for himself. Oh man, Jeez. yeah, like yeah. To me, that would be, uh, yeah, that would be that would be just as interesting to pick the one guy if you're trying to tank. God, I don't, yeah, I don't. I, yep. I think you would go with a bad '80s goalie, right? And and yeah. And and the the other beautiful thing about this question, we finally figured out a scenario where we can we can all get together and screw over the Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, oh. I like that a lot. 
what do you, you know, uh, we take, uh, we replace William Carlson with the, uh, old William Carlson, the guy who scored 40 goals. Yeah. Uh, first year. We'll take, we'll take him, toss him in there. Yeah. Uh, bring okay. back flurry, uh, make it awkward. Oh man. Okay. So let, let's wrap up this, this pot. Uh, this one, uh, this one's from, this one's from Jake. Okay. Jake writes into the show. I'm bored and curious. <laughs> Aren't we all? Aren't we all, Jake? Yeah. Uh, But I want to know about pre-salary cap hockey. I was born in 1994, so my first-hand knowledge is limited to the Gary Bettman era. Can the two of you describe 1980s, early 1990s hockey to me with an anecdote or two? That Mm. comes in from Jake. So, look, there's a, a lot of our listeners would kind of be in that wheelhouse, late 20s, early 30s, that... You know, you hear about 80s and 90s hockey in the same way you and I would hear about 60s and 70s hockey, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. As as kids and 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 you you know you, you're only hearing the stories. So, is there something, an anecdote that we can share with Jake that, like, I, like for me, I think we'd have to look it up. But the 1992-1993 season, Jake, uh, like, how many players that year, Sean, had a hundred points in the oh, NHL? Yeah. It was, it was, it, there were, there were a ton and you and I have, have, I think, well, I, I've gone on record. I've, I did a, uh, back when it was the hundredth, uh, season of the NHL a few years ago, I, I ranked every season and I said, that was the single best season in the history of the NHL, that, that 93, 92, 93 season and postseason. um, in which uh, you had, yeah, uh, all those, uh, all the scoring. You had Timo Solani scoring seventy six goals as as a rookie. Mario uh, gets it has cancer, comes back, beats it, and uh, uh, ends up still winning the scoring title. I'm looking at it. There were twenty twenty one players, twenty one guys who had a hundred points. There were uh, how many? Fourteen players who had fifty goals or more. Uh, scoring was up. Just great entertainment, all sorts, you know, the the May Day goal, that Leafs run that we talked about. Uh, t- tragically, there, there there was no Stanley Cup final that year. It was canceled. But it, other right. than that, it was a fantastic season. Just just absolutely great. Um, the, the anecdote that I might pick, and this is a, I mean, this is a very famous story that uh, I'm sure people are, are mostly aware of. But um, it, it was a lot of fun back then. And there were some truly great teams. No cap, no parity. So, I mean, you had the the Oilers teams and those Islanders teams just dominating, which which on the one hand made it kind of boring some years because you always felt like, oh, the Islanders are going to win again. But also upsets really mattered. Upsets really had an impact the way they don't these days, you know, as as much. Yeah. Um, but the one that I, w- I would point back to is that 88 uh, New Jersey Devils run. Ooh, where they make the yeah. playoffs for the first time, score in overtime in the last game of the regular season to, to punch their ticket, so to speak, to the playoffs. Um, go on, win a couple of rounds, and then they face Boston in the conference final. That's where you get the have another donut incident where uh, Jim Schoenfeld, coach of the Devils, gets accused of assaulting a referee after the game, Don Koharski, um, calls him a fat pig, tells him to have another donut, gets suspended, the Devils try to appeal the suspension, but they can't because the rules say 
that if a coach gets suspended, that has to be appealed right to the league president. There's no commissioner back then. It's a league president, John Ziegler. And nobody knows where John Ziegler is. He is unreachable <laughs> in the conference final. And so the New Jersey Devils, Lou Lamarillo, a, a rookie, I think, a Lou Lamarillo, Lou Lamarillo goes to court and gets a restraining order that says my coach is allowed to coach this game. The referees show up for that play. This is like game six of the conference final. Okay. Yeah. The referees show up that night. They're told Jim Schoenfeld is going to be behind the bench and they turn around and they leave. They do a wildcat strike. Again, the leader of the league is nowhere to be found at this point. Uh, and that's the famous Yellow Sunday where they, uh, they, they, they find three amateur officials. They put two of them are wearing like yellow raincoats. Uh, and they go out and officiate the game. And it's just a total debacle. The game gets delayed by like an hour, an hour and a half. Um, this is a nationally televised game in the States. And uh, it, it just an absolute mess. And I, I bring that up. Just the, the craziness of all of it um, and the fact that to this day, we don't know where John Ziegler was. There were the, the rumor is there was a family situation. And even that's I'm not doing it justice. Go ahead and Google it if you want to know what what the um, what what people seem to think was happening. Just absolute madness, because I, I'm just fascinated whenever I hear like a younger fan or a newer fan, you know, be like, ah, oh, Gary, ba boy, did you see those board ads glitching? Ah, Gary Bettman doesn't know what he's doing. What an unprofessional organization the NHL is. And I'm just like, dude, we had a MIA league president that led to the officials going on strike in yeah. a crucial conference championship game um, on national television. And yeah, and, and these days they're like, ah, the outdoor game they, the got delayed by the sun. What a, ah, there's, there's never been an embarrassment like this for the NHL. And you're just sitting there going, man, the, the stories that we oh. can tell. Somebody should write a book on all those Somebody weird stories from NHL history. Well, this is a chance. Plug your book here because I feel mm. like uh, this is exactly the type of audience, right? Jake it, is exactly it, uh, Jake. the guy. So I, I, I did write a book on the history of the NHL with an emphasis on the weird and strange uh, stories that are out there. It's the Down Goes Brown History of the NHL. And these, I don't remember exactly what the subtitle was, but it's it's something along the lines of it's it's the history of the world's uh, the world's most beautiful game as presented by the world's dumbest league, and it's just all this bizarre stuff. Uh, the uh, Yellow Sunday does feature prominently in there, and uh, and a whole bunch of other stories that uh, um, you would uh, you 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 will not believe, other than the fact that I'm I'm obviously such a credible guy that. Uh, yeah, that you would know that I'm telling the truth. The other thing I would say, Jake, if you ever want to look up 80s, 90s hockey, like just Google uh, bench clearing brawl 1980s. Yes. And yep. you will see things that you, it'll blow your mind because you're, you know, you're kind of in that late 20s, early 30s demographic. So you would never have seen a bench clearing brawl, but they were very standard mm -hmm. for Sean and I growing and up where just the two teams, like Montreal, Quebec, Montreal, the Montreal, Quebec. The uh, was that the? I'm the good trying to remember. Good Friday. I, I'm trying. I can't. Here, here's a very '80s hockey fan for it. I can't get my uh, my holiday theme massacres straight. That was the Good Friday massacre. Good Friday massacre. Not to be confused with the uh, the St. Patrick's Day massacre, which was the Blues and the Blackhawks in '91. 
And but, not to be confused with the Pat LaFontaine Easter Sunday miracle, right? Right. Wasn't that? Which, was, which yes, that was another, uh, another one. But yeah, the, the, the Good Friday brawl in which there was a brawl, a bench clearing brawl at the end of the period. Guys yeah. are getting sucker punched. Like guys are getting hurt. Like it, it's 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 a madhouse. It's a bar brawl. The players get sent to the uh, get sent to the dressing room. The uh, referees huddle up. They figure out, okay, we're kicking all these guys out of the game. And then somehow nobody tells the teams that all these guys have been kicked out. So when the period starts, all of these guys all come back out again, and like they immediately see, oh, there's the guy who sucker punched our guy, and of course. It just launches into another brawl between that and the 87 brawl between the Habs and the uh, and the Flyers in the playoffs in which Mike Keenan dressed 28 guys in warm up. Okay, think about it. 28 guys. You know, in pregame warm up, sometimes a team will dress an extra guy because we don't know. Like maybe he's trying out. He dresses 28 guys because he knows there's going to be a brawl in warm up and he wants the Flyers to have as many guys as possible. Like just absolute. Man, they had to pass a rule that said you can't dress your entire team. He's calling up goons from the minors to just like, and, and and yet the brawl starts after most everyone is off the ice. So guys are coming out in slippers. Yeah. Guys are coming out in flip flops to fight on the ice. It's oh my, it's amazing the NHL lasted until the Batman era. Well, like that's know, here's what I like. Do we know? What like when was the last bench clearing brawl? Do we know? Like, do we know what was the final bench clearing brawl the, in the NHL? The I mean, the one that is viewed as the the deal breaker was that eighty seven one because yeah. that's the one where they pass the rule. It says, okay, you know what? First off the bench is an immediate the ten game suspension. You know, when sometimes these days you see yep. somebody like accidentally step on the ice and you're like, oh, why do they have that that rule? The David Clarkson rule. Um, that's why. I, I think there is sometimes when you look, you will see there's a there's a Calgary Toronto game that a fight broke out at the end of the game and when the teams were already coming onto the ice. So it it ends up being a bit of a line brawl with everybody on the ice, but it, it wasn't a bench clear in the sense of like, hey, the benches are I mean it, it was crazy. Like you you'd just be watching a fight and then you just hear the announcers go, Oh, here comes everybody. <laughs> and you just be like, all right, well, exactly. that, we're going to fight for 20 minutes. And yeah. that's and, and then sometimes the fight would go into the stands. There was like little low glass back then. So like fans in Boston would be reaching down and like punching the players as they were fighting. Um, you know, every now and then a linesman would get punched. It was really, uh, yeah, it was really something. Yeah. Check it out, Jake. Just Google that. Read Sean's book and you'll be, uh, you'll, you'll be, be horrified. Yeah. All right, so anyway, keep those emails coming. We love, like I said, in the summertime, these are fun episodes. We can just tackle your questions, the Athletic Hockey Show at gmail.com or leave us a voicemail, 845-445-8459. And right now, you can get a one-year subscription to The Athletic for $2 a month for 12 months when you visit theathletic.com slash hockey show. And can I throw in just one more thing? Real fast, congratulations, David Pasternak, William Nylander, Rupa Hintz, Dylan Larkin, you have all crossed the Wendell line. You guys oh. are all officially old. Man, get me David a picture Pasternak? of Wendell Clark and, and a picture of William Nylander and tell me, like, this guy is older than that guy. That's crazy to me. David Pasternak is past the Wendell Clark line? David Pasternak oh. is, uh, has just turned 27 in May. Wow. So... You're old. You're old, buddy. <laughs> <laughs>